Um, I remember you told me a little bit of your single walk um, and some of the pressure that you felt when you were single growing up in the church. And so I would love for you to share that story. What was it like for you as a single man growing up in this community, growing up in the church before you met and married Pastor Megan? It, it, it was there was, first and foremost, I mean, God gives us that desire as men and women to be married. And so, you know, I was in the ministry for about five years, you know, single. And of course, being the youth pastor at that time, you know, of course, I'm praying and I'm believing God for a wife. And obviously there's pressure from members in the church, as well as from even those in leadership. Hey, you know, when are you going to get married? And, you know, just all this pressure. And sometimes people are like, hey, have you thought about such and such? You ought to try to hook up with such and such, take such and such out on a date or something like that. And so there was just always this pressure and the desire to be married is from God. However, the pressure is not healthy, and we'll get into this in a little bit, because it's important that we maximize the season that we're in to prepare us for the next season. And so one of the regrets I have is that I felt like I did not maximize that season to its fullest extent. I feel that had I done that, I would have been a better husband, a better father. I, I would have been better prepared even financially, just the practical things of being prepared for marriage had I really shut out those outside influences as well as really consecrate myself and come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and not listen to all the outside voices. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Single You, the podcast. I'm your host, Rika. I'm a dog mom of two precious sweet pit bulls. I'm a lover of Will Smith. I mean, literally since I was nine, I have a problem. Mm -hmm. I finally started rocking my curly fro back in 2017 and never looked back. It's been a journey. I'm a motivational speaker, the single girl's life coach, the CEO and founder of Single You Academy, my online community for women. And you'll often hear me say that singleness is not a punishment. Your single season is not a season to endure, sweetheart. It's a life and a life worth living. You just got to design it. Now, my intention with Single You Academy is to help you discover your worth, girl, so that you can stop tying your identity to men and stop being a people pleaser. And I know you hear all the gurus say, you need to love yourself, you need to know yourself. What, what is that Drake song? Know yourself, know your worth. <laughs> we hear these things all the time, but sometimes we don't know where to start. That's where I come in. I can get you started. If you reach out your hand, I will grab it. So reach out to me if you need to on Instagram. You can slide into my DMs. Or if you don't have Instagram, you can email me as well. And I'll put those in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to Single You, the podcast. Rate it or share it with someone you feel could use a message like this. Thank you for listening. And let's get into the episode. It's here. It's here. It's here. Ah, I'm so excited because this episode has been in the making. I remember last year I actually wrote a blog about this. What I wish the church taught single women. And I've been wanting to have this conversation and I wasn't sure with who at first. And then I thought of my pastor, my pastor Marlando Jordan, who over a year ago told me 
that he really loved what I was putting out there about being single. And so I thought of him, hit him up um, before Christmas, and so we scheduled uh, for the month of January uh, to do this conversation, to talk about being single, to talk about how your singleness, sweetheart, it is not a punishment, okay? In fact, Paul actually talks about it's better to be single. There's beauty in marriage. There's beauty in singleness. Ah, we're going to get into all of that. Ah, okay. We're also going to talk about the pressure that the church, your parents, society puts on people who are single. And apparently, it's not only us women. It's men, too. Pastor Marlando Jordan is going to talk about his journey of being single. So this is who Pastor Marlando is. Pastor Marlando's desire is to bring the message of reconciliation to those who do not have a relationship with the Lord and to establish, equip, and empower believers to be radical disciples of Christ. His enthusiasm, passion, and love for God and people brings a unique and bold style of teaching and preaching. Marlando Jordan currently serves as the senior pastor of Sozo Church in Kennewick, Washington State, by the way, and that is my church. Yay! Pastor Marlando (laughs) and his wife, Megan, live in Pasco, Washington, and they've been married since 2003, and they are the proud parents of their two children, Isaiah and Anna Bell. Yeah, he's going to talk about his marriage to Megan, the steps that he took before he got married to Megan, the mistakes and missteps that he took before he was married to Megan because not only the pressure of the church and society, but also pressure of himself. How much pressure are you putting on yourself to get married because you believe true joy comes from marriage? You believe that's the goal in life? You believe that only a man makes you worthy? You believe only your loneliness can be filled with a man. Not true. Hopefully you listened to yesterday's Wednesday tangible tip, purpose before marriage. And in this episode, you're going to hear even more about that. What do we mean about that? Because you cannot feel loneliness (laughs) because you cannot feel loneliness with a man that will make you miserable. I promise you, you don't feel loneliness with a man. You don't. All right, so you're also going to hear us name some books in this episode. Those book titles are in the show notes, so you can grab them uh, as you're listening to this episode after or before or what have you. But don't forget to subscribe, rate, let me know you're listening to it. Hit me up on Instagram. I want to hear from you, and I want this message to go far and wide, and it can only do that if you subscribe, rate, share, and continue to share and continue to share. Let me say that again. Continue to share. Word of mouth is the best way to help me as a small business owner. All right, let's get into the episode. Here is episode 19 titled What I Wish the Church Taught Single Women. My conversation with Pastor Marlando Jordan. So today, I'm so excited. This has been um, a month in the making, and I I, I reached out to who you're seeing on the screen right now, my pastor, um, because this is a conversation that I've been wanting to have. Um, What is on my heart, as you know, my platform is for women, and I help women discover their worth so that they can stop tying their worth and identity to men and stop being a man pleaser. And on the screen that you see with me right now is Pastor Marlando Jordan. 
Um, for 15 years, he was the youth pastor at what they called cutting edge youth way back in the day. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna get to your age, but way back yeah. then. Um, then you were three years associate pastor at Sozo Church. And now you are six years in as the lead pastor of my church home, Sozo Church, Pastor Marlando Jordan. Thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation with me. I'm really, really excited and I hope you are too. Yes, thank you, Rika, for inviting me on to uh, this platform. Um, I'm very excited too. I'm always excited. It's always an honor to, you know, share the word of God with people and to uh, see as many people experience God's best, you know, and I believe this is going to be in a very, it's going to be an amazing conversation right now. And so I'm very excited about this. And so a little birdie told me, because I just want to jump right in. A little birdie told me your single story and how you got married a little later, not, not as young as, as most people in this community do. You got married a little later. Yeah, I was 26, almost 27. So June 28th, 2003. So no yeah. way, 20, my birthday is June 29th. All right. <laughs> now I'm going to remember your and Pastor Megan's wedding anniversary. Yes, yes. I love it. So when, I, when we were setting this up, because we did have a pre-conversation, um, I remember you told me a little bit of your single walk um, and some of the pressure that you felt when you were single growing up in the church. And so I would love for you to share that story. What was it like for you as a single man growing up in this community, growing up in the church before you met and married Pastor Megan? It, it, it was there was, first and foremost, I mean, God gives us that desire as men and women to be married. And so, you know, I was in the ministry for about five years, you know, single. And of course, being the youth pastor at that time, you know, of course, I'm praying and I'm believing God for a wife. And obviously there's pressure from members in the church, as well as from even those in leadership. Hey, you know, when are you going to get married? And, you know, just all this pressure. And sometimes people are like, hey, have you thought about such and such? You ought to try to hook up with such and such, take such and such out on a date or something like that. And so there was just always this pressure and the desire to be married is from God. However, the pressure is not healthy and we'll get into this in a little bit because it's important that we maximize the season that we're in to prepare us for the next season. And so one of the regrets I have is that I felt like I did not maximize that season to its fullest extent. I feel that had I done that, I would have been a better husband, a better father. I, I would have been better prepared even financially, just the practical things of being prepared for marriage had I really shut out those outside influences as well as really consecrate myself and come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and not listen to all the outside voices. Yeah. And so it was a constant battle of just trying to stay focused you know, it's just, and I, it's interesting because I feel that a lot of people find themselves in that position to where they're not embracing now, they don't embrace today, they're always five or 10 years down the road. Yes, it's important to have vision for tomorrow. However, it is just as important to embrace a vision for today. Yes, I love that. And it's interesting that you say you felt the pressure as a man, because I feel like 
women, and I guess obviously I just, you know, thinking about if men are feeling pressured to get married is, isn't really a thought that I have, but I do know that women, we get that from the church. So, so obviously this episode, this is going to be on my podcast and I've titled it, what I wish the church taught single women, right? Um, because those are the questions that we get all the time. So where are your man at? Where You ain't gonna have kids. Are you dating? And it's very interesting to me that those are the questions that society or even church people focus on instead of asking things like, how is your single walk going? How's your relationship with God? How's your career, your finances? Let's talk about the Dave Ramsey steps, like mm-hmm. other things that we can be talking about. But with the pressure, did you feel, did that make you get into relationships before Pastor Megan quickly because you felt like you had to be married because that's what everybody wanted you to be? Absolutely. And that pressure didn't just come from outside people. That pressure also came internally from me. And the negative, uh, or let me rephrase my statement, the problem with living under that kind of pressure is you lose your ability to clearly hear the voice of God. And so oftentimes, like in previous relationships before my wife, I would feel that God said, this is the one, she's the one, I need to marry her. And I'm just all excited. And I'm like in this cloud, this is what the Lord wants. And I'm telling my friends and family, and then it doesn't work out. Relationships broken, breaks up, my heart's broken, her heart's broken. Why? Because of pressure. Yeah. And and rather, and this is what happens too. When a person caves into pressure, they will produce an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. Think about that. Just kind of in parentheses, let's talk about Abraham. God already gave him a promise that I'm going to make you a father of, of many nations. Rather than waiting on God, he gave into the pressure to, you know, to help God out, get with Hagar. And of course, we know the story. He ended up producing Ishmael. And Isaac came later. And a friend of mine told me years ago, she says, oftentimes people will experience an Ishmael before they get their Isaac. Wow. However, I feel that that can be avoided. And that's why we're on this podcast on this Facebook Live talking today. Yeah, is because the Bible is very clear. You don't have to go from relationship to relationship to relationship to find the right one. Yeah. And we're going to get into that, you know, things that you wish you did in your single season before you married Pastor Megan, the discipline, dating with intention and all of that. So I want to thank everybody who's watching. Thank you for all the shares. Um, If you have any questions, uh, please comment on the Facebook Live and we will try to get to them as we are moving through this conversation because I told Pastor that my intention was to help single women and men get a very clear focus on how they should live out their single season. Because with that pressure and with those questions, we tend to think that, um, sorry, somebody's messaging me. We tend to think that being single is a punishment. Being single is not of God. Being single is like the worst thing to be. So if you're watching this and you tend to ask single women and men often, you know, where's your man at? Where's your husband? Where's your wife? Please stop doing that. (laughs) Please stop. Um, Because it's not very helpful. Uh, Instead, we should be focusing on how we're living out our single season intentionally. Um, Would would you agree with that that statement, Pastor? No, absolutely. We need to be intentional. Those who are single need to be intentional in that season. 
because most people are going to get married. That's what they desire. God put that desire in their heart, but they will be better prepared for marriage if they will maximize their single season. Right, right. So then somewhere along the lines, you met uh, Pastor Megan, who is your wife now. Um, and mm-hmm. how was, when, when you started dating her, was the way that you dated her, um, was there a different blueprint than who you had dated in the past? It was, it definitely was a different uh, blueprint. Uh, that one was covered in prayer. Prayer and just, again, some of the pressure was gone because for one, I wasn't really communicating with people when we did meet and started talking. Um, but, you know, just really up front, we started talking about different belief systems and really just bathed the relationship in prayer. And, you know, just through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, that's how we ended up knowing that this was that we were for each other. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to try to turn. I don't know how to turn off my settings because I'm getting all these messages. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am not sure how to turn off the message setting on the Facebook page. So actually, here we go. I can send notifications. No, they can't turn that off. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's get, you know how Facebook is. People don't oh, yeah. live, so they just get to messaging. Um, okay. Yeah. So I love that, that, that is different. And I remember, and I, I want to start getting to scripture as well, because I remember you saying that you wish you had uh, done a couple of more things in your se- uh, single season before you uh, married Pastor Megan. So can you walk us through that and kind of what what discipline you wish you had in your single season before you got married? So a good example of that would be just on the practical side, you know, uh, finances. You know, I wish I would have had my finances in order. I mean, yeah, I had a, obviously I was, you know, a youth pastor, you know, however I had debt, you know, there were just, there was just some undisciplines in the area of money. So ideally, I would have rather have started our relationship debt-free. Now that's possible if people take the Dave Ramsey principles and apply them. Now I had already gone through the Dave Ramsey when I was single, but I didn't apply what I learned. (laughs) And and so, uh, so anyways, obviously we're debt-free now, you know, with the exception of, of one card that's almost paid off. But those are things that I, that's my advice for single people, single men, single women is get your finances in order. Uh, make sure that you uh, get your identity right. I made it, made myself a note here. The best way to live out your single season is to discover your identity in Christ so that you can fulfill your purpose in life. Yeah. And that's now I did have a very strong foundation in my my identity in Christ. And I'm very grateful for that. That was very, very helpful, you know, in Megan and I's relationship was knowing who I was in Christ, you know, coming from a a, a Christian home, you know, being raised in, in an amazing church. However, things were not perfect. And so again, if I could go back, I would have made sure that our money was in order. I would have made sure that I just think for me, um, I would have been better prepared, you know, for marriage as far as just, you know, mental, emotional, just making sure that, cause you have to realize, see, I come from a divorced family. So okay. I didn't have that model at home, yeah. you know? So I grew up in a single parent home. And yeah. so what I gleaned from was from other couples, from reading Christian material. 
That's one thing. It's another thing to have that model in front of your home, in yeah. front in your own house, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully as you're watching, you're writing that down. Finances, it's I, I find it interesting because when I say that, society will tell me I'm being too picky. People are gonna be in debt, Rika. People are not gonna have it together. And I'm just like, if I have it semi together at 37, I would want my future husband to also, it's not about being picky, but I do get to choose. It's not like I yeah. have to be married. It's not a sin to be single. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I just, I love, I love that you said that, that there is, you know, and the Bible talks about there's a time and place for everything, a season for everything, right? Mm -hmm. And so while you're single, getting your finances together should be important. Um, and I do want to, let's talk about Paul, because I know Paul writes about um, being single and yeah, he does. Hey, yeah, that it's okay to be single. Can you talk about that from the lens of you being a pastor and, you know, you going to seminary school, I'm sure you know more than even myself, but I do remember reading Paul's scriptures and Corinthians and being really upset that the church never really focused on that. As I was growing up, it was always about purity, saving yourself, waiting for your Boaz, as if that was the goal the only goal for you to reach in life. And that, and that is what made you worthy. Um, at least those are the messages that I got. Not that it was intended. I don't think anybody was malicious and you know how I was raised or anything, but uh, it is my hope that the church, we as people will read our own Bible, but learn what Paul says about being single. So we won't feel so bad about our single season. Yes. And Paul definitely speaks to that. And he, 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 he tends to, let, let me just read the scripture here, like 1 Corinthians 7, 1 says, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. So Paul is pretty much uh, stating, you know, hey, you know what? Just be celibate if you can. He says, nevertheless, in verse two, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. And then he goes on and he talks about you know, uh, sexuality within the confines of a marriage relationship. So he right. makes that very, very clear. But then he goes on and uh, he says that in, in verse six, but I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. Verse seven says, for I wish that all men were even as I myself, because Paul was single. Single, exactly. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this matter and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I. So yeah. some people are like, okay, see, there's your commandment to be single. But listen to verse nine. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so Paul's whole uh, conversation here. He's given his opinion as far as staying single. That's what he's saying. Look, if you can be single, be single. But every person has their gift from God. Now, let me just um, interject uh, one more thing here that Paul says. Okay. Let's look here at it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I am going to read, I'm just going to read verse 25. It says, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I have given judgment as one man whom the Lord in his mercy had made trustworthy. I suppose therefore that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Again, he's emphasizing being single. Yeah. 
Yeah. Verse 27, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a man marries, if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. He's, he's just going on and on about how you can um, stay single or you can be married. Now, I'm just kind of going through this. I know we, we we're limited on some time here, but verse 35, Paul says, and this I say for your own profit, not that I put a leash on you, but for what is proper in that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So what Paul is saying is that when you're single, you can serve the Lord without distraction. When you're married, now you are, your, your intentions is you're there to please your wife, you're there to please your husband. And now, he's not saying that, that. Yeah, and he's not saying that if you're married, you can't serve the Lord. Right. right. He's just right. trying to. So really, the, the picture that Paul's given here is that during your single season, this is the reason why I say what I said earlier about maximizing that season. When you're single, you maximize that season to take care of your spiritual well-being, your financial well-being, your educational well-being. After you get married, obviously you continue to work on those things, but now it's, it's essential too that you're making sure that you're caring for your spouse. Yeah. So he's bringing that balance there. Yeah. So I encourage people to go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Go and read the scripture, read the chapter, and you'll see exactly what Paul is saying there. He's not saying you can't get married. Right. But what he's trying to do is he's bringing a balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was reading that and really like just so enamored with the, that part of it because I had never seen that before and part of that's my fault I should have been I wish I would have listened to my dad when I was younger that you know uh, being a Christian and 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 all of that is really about my relationship with God and reading my Bible but when I was reading that I've I read that basically there is beauty in marriage but there is also beauty in being single and so to feel like your singleness is a punishment that's not from God mm -mm. Um, but with this pressure from church people, when we're in church and society, you begin to feel like it is a punishment and that you need to hurry up and be married. So you as a pastor, I know one of the questions that I wrote down, I would love to just hear it one more time, just for my single women listening and my men, do you believe that you are more blessed by God if you are, are married, pastor? No, God does not favor married people over single people or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. again, I want, I want you as a single woman, a single man watching this to understand that you are not being punished. God does not love you less. It is not wrong to be single. Um, there is a way to walk out your, your single season. Um, it's also not wrong to be married because when I tell you, Pastor, my, my clients that I work with and I have been here before, like you just feel like you're being left out of life um, when you're single sometimes um, and you feel like um, you're missing out and that you can only find pure joy in a marriage. These are what single women are telling me. Um, and so I, this is why we're having that conversation, right? And where do you think, why do you think it was, it's like that in, in the church that there's more focus on marriage than it is on your single season? And maybe, and, and it's gonna be different from church to church, but I would just say maybe in a general statement, yeah. 
one of the reasons why I think a lot of churches focus on that is because there are more married people in the church than let's say single people. However, uh, the really a, a church should be balanced in what they do. It's like when you go, come to a church, there should be ministry for, of course, adults. There's ministry for married people, ministry for single, ministry for youth and children. You want ministry even for those who have been divorced. They need healing. They need God to, to restore their hearts. And so, um, yeah, the church, the church has, has the ability to be balanced in her approach as far as ministering to people's, to ministering to all of their needs. Yeah, yeah, and having those groups helps you as a single person or a divorced person or a married person. I mean, I, need, I even know Sozo teaches the Dave Ramsey step. It helps you feel yes. like you're not alone. And, and um, that's what God wants for us is community. Um, so I want to go back to when you um, and uh, yep, Pastor Megan met and started dating because one of the questions I had written down for you is how should we be dating? So how did you and maybe Pastor Megan, how was your dating relationship? How did you do that? Is there any tips that you can give us singles on a way that we should be dating that is like maybe biblically sound? It's interesting because, you know, you have the term dating and then you have the term courtship. Yes. And so some people, we use the term dating when Megan and I were dating. It was just dating. It wasn't so much courtship. Um, I think both of us, if we can go back and do it, we would have taken more of the courtship approach. Um, but again, that's a whole nother subject in itself because people have their different philosophies on that. However, though, when it comes to dating, um, biblically, and this is just kind of things I've learned even from the school of hard knocks, is it's always better to develop friendships first. You develop friendships with the opposite sex. You want to get to know the person in a non-sexual way. Now, non-sexual way obviously doesn't just mean, you know, doing the big D, but non-sexual way would be just being in a relationship to where it's not physical because unfortunately when you're in a relationship and it's just all physical that's when things get clouded because now you're not able to see clearly um if this is really the person i'm supposed to be with uh because you, you're you're the bible calls them or there's a term we use in the church is called soul ties mm -hmm. and so you start developing soul ties with an individual uh when you're you know, kissing, making out and doing those different types of things, the Bible says not to awaken love before it's time. Yep. And so, um, and here's the deal. If a person has done that, is it the unpardonable sin? No, it's not. There's forgiveness if you've done that, if you've blown it, if you've messed up, if you've had sex before marriage, if you've been in those types of things. But the goal is, is to learn from it so you don't repeat that pattern again. And so um, it's, yeah, Megan and I had a, you know, we had a good relationship, you know, obviously talking, getting to know each other. Uh, we had a short season. Um, I, I know several friends of mine that had short seasons to where like they, we just knew it was God. And it goes back to what Paul says, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So um, I personally do not believe in long engagements. I think when you are engaged for a long period of time, you set yourself up for a fall. Mm -hmm. 
Because really the purpose of engagement is not to figure out if I'm gonna marry this person. The purpose of engagement is to prepare for the wedding. So do you, you so while you're building the friendship, that is when we should be figuring that out. Exactly. That's exactly what should be happening. It's during the friendship stage. It's during that, okay, things evolve. You're more than friends. We'll just use the term, you know, dating a boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, but in that stage, you should already have that figured out. I don't understand people being engaged for two years. Like, I, I don't understand that. That's a long time to be engaged. It doesn't take two years to plan a wedding. But right. some people may say, well, you know, I'm trying to get my finances in order. Well, to be very frank and honest, you should have had your money in order before you proposed. It, that, it, that's, that's just real talk. Yeah. Don't do a proposal if, you, if you're not ready to, you know, take on the responsibility of being a husband. And that's what we're seeing these days is yeah. people are putting the cart before the horse. Right. Here's something else that I want to add as far as dating. This is something that Megan and I did do. And I do encourage people to do this, whether you call it dating or courtship. But it is essential, really, I'm just going to say during a friendship stage, and even as you get more serious, to know the other person's personal philosophies in every area of their life. You need to know their personal philosophies. Yes. Because uh, I was going to ask you what type of questions should yes. we be asking? These topic? are yes, go ahead. personal philosophies in the areas of spirituality, sexuality, money, communication, family relationships, and past relationships. Listen, I'm going to have to rewind my I need to say that again. Yeah, I'll say it again. Go ahead. So Ready? in the areas... Uh, but this this is where a lot of people don't talk about this stuff. Yes. They don't yes. talk about spiritual questions. They don't talk about sexuality. They don't talk about money or communication, family relationships or past relationships. They just marry a pretty face. But one of the things that our pastor taught us is that you don't marry a pretty face. You marry a belief system. And so I heard one pastor say this a long time ago and it cracked me up, but it's the truth. He said, you need to know how that person reacts when they're mad. Mm. When you're dating, when you're trying to get to know them, you got to know, you got to know, do they throw pots and pans when they get mad? Yeah. I mean, you need to know that so then you can make a logical decision on, okay, do I want to marry him? Yeah. I know we've been together for about, you know, six months, let's say a year, year and a half. And now he gets mad and he's throwing pots and pans across the house. If he's doing that while you're dating, he will do that after you get married. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, facts. It's facts. That's logical. I love it. Listen, I, I made a note to go back and, and take your personal philosophy um, down and 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 chop that up as even a five minute episode uh, for my YouTube and my podcast tees and everything. So that was at thirty minutes in. If you missed yes. it, you want to. And there up. is a book that I would recommend, and I'm actually while we're talking, I'm just going to look it up here. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Um, no problem. Is it because is it, I I really feel people should get their hands on this particular book. I'm just kind of thinking in my mind where it's at is by Jimmy Evans and someone else. 
Okay, okay. But Jimmy Evans and someone else is not helping the, the live audience. Right, um, right. Well, I was gonna say, as you're looking that up, I'll mention Relationship Goals by Pastor Michael Todd. Very um, good. You and I talked about that book yesterday. And then Pastor Darius Daniels has a book called Relational Intelligence. Um, and both of those books have really helped me um, a lot and their staples in my Single You Academy program um, for my clients to read about relationships because these are the conversations that we're not having. Um, I know I told you yesterday, Pastor, with every single woman I talk to, every client I have, I ask her, had anybody walked through you, had anybody told you um, how to get to a healthy relationship and what the difference between healthy versus unhealthy relationships are? And 100% of them say no. And it just breaks my heart. Wow. I love having these conversations. I want to help a 14-year-old out right now, a 17-year-old, a 22-year-old, um, how to get an actual healthy, godly relationship. Um, and I feel that God has put that on my heart. Like, I need you to be the spokesperson right now um, for your influence, uh, you know, the sphere of influence. Yes, yes. So, yes. So, so I have the book and then I want to go back to the philosophies because there's another element that I need to add on that. So the name of the book is The Right One. Right One. So it's The Right One and it's by Frank Martin and Jimmy Evans. Okay. Perfect. And Jimmy Evans, as you've probably heard of, is the CEO of Marriage Today, him and his wife, Karen Evans. And, uh, in my opinion, most likely one of the best marriage teachers out there. Uh, he does the marriage simulcast every uh, uh, February. So we've been uh, uh, not live streaming, but basically just we've been showing that in our church here. But this would be our second year doing that. Okay. So that book is very good because it kind of gets into some of those questions. But going back to the personal philosophies, or we also say belief systems, what you believe about spirituality, sexuality, money, communication, family relationships, what you believe about that is absolutely essential. Yeah. And what the person, or we'll just say, let's say you have a young lady looking for a man, what he believes is not what he says, it's what he does. Let's just use a very practical example. This is very practical. And these are the questions that, that young women and young men should be asking the person they're interested in. So let's say if somebody says, I believe in brushing my teeth every day. Okay. Well, then my question would be, do you brush your teeth every day? No, I do not brush my teeth every day. I haven't brushed my teeth in three weeks. So then, the, so then this would be the appropriate response. So obviously you don't believe that it's necessary to brush your teeth yeah. because if you did, you'd be doing it. Yeah. So what you believe is what you do. Yeah. So if somebody says, I believe it's important to pray and talk to God every day. And I believe I should read my Bible every day. Then the question, then, okay, let's say the guy says, I believe that the lady should say, well, do you do that? Right. No, I don't. Right. So then an honest answer for him would be, I don't believe it's important to read my Bible and pray every day because I don't do it. 
well, and, and people are confused about that too. They think just because they believe it, they believe it, but it's like- No, we what we believe as, yes, what we believe as humans, and this is, goes beyond just spiritual stuff. This is just everyday living. We do what we believe. 100%. Whatever we believe, that's what we do. No and some people try to separate their beliefs from their behavior and you cannot, you cannot separate your belief from your behavior. Right, right. Well, and, and I, I was pulling up a text <laughs> um, conversation that I was having with a fella that was in my DMs a couple of weeks ago. And I have, in my 37 years on this earth, 17 years, I guess, of trying to date men, I have learned one of the things that I learned um, and I had to learn it the hard way, unfortunately, was that just because somebody says they believe in God doesn't mean they really do or execute it the way I would want said husband to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you're so right in that. And I had asked this fella because um, he, he said he believed in God. And I said, OK, well, cool. How do you nurture your relationship with God? And this is what he said to me, Pastor, and this is how I knew. I said, well, he ain't the one. <laughs> he said, <clears throat> I haven't utilized my faith in relationships. Either she respects me or she doesn't. It's not my job to teach her that. And so I said, what does that mean? <laughs> And he said, well, that was the simplest translation. And I was like, you know what? Um, so one of my rules or whatever, because uh, I have journals about you know, what I've been through and what are the lessons that I can learn from it. And one of the lessons that I learned is if I'm confused about who somebody says he is, then he's not the one for me. Because I just believe that God is not a God of confusion. And exactly. I feel like it would be very clear to me if you were an upstanding gentleman that God would want me to date. Um, yeah. So I was so confused. I, I was like, I don't, I don't even know what the follow-up question is. <laughs> oh, wow. But we see that a lot. Mm -hmm. There's nothing new on the but we see that all the time. Yeah. People are real good at doing this. Yep. Yeah. Just talking, 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 but there's no action. So it's yeah. like, if you say one thing and do another, then that just reveals what you really believe. Yeah, yep, you, you, what, exactly. So I hope you write that down too for my oh, that, that right there, this is the icing on the cake. If people can really take the time to go through and find out what people believe, but each, under each of those categories, there are specific questions. Like yeah. spirituality deals with church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, all of the spiritual things. Sexuality. People gotta. People have ideas about sexuality that go so against the word of God. You got to go back to First Corinthians chapter seven. Paul lays out the criteria, but you'd be surprised how many people don't even follow that, and they have beliefs, and those beliefs are based on their past life experience. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then the same with money. People got beliefs about money. We, we, it's just important for single people to know that. Yep, yep. So you hear that as a single person, I hope you're writing down, I need to be working on my finances. I need to be working out what I say I believe and then see if it matches up with my potential partner. But by building a friendship, you're asking these questions. Um, so I wrote down when you were talking, I wrote down some other things to ask you. 
um, because we were talking about soul ties and it just reminded me to ask you, does the Bible talk about soulmates? Because I hear a lot of Christian people say, I'm looking for my rib. Because you know how, you know, when, when Jesus made Eve or when God made Eve, he took the rib out of Adam. So a lot of people say that I'm looking for my soulmate. And so I would love to hear what you think about soulmates. You know, the Bible definitely, like Proverbs 18, 22 says uh, that Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So obviously, when a man finds a wife, the one that God has for him, it's a good thing. So I think the, the context of soulmate almost depends on how the person's asking it. I'll ask a question to answer that question, and I'll make another statement. Sometimes people, what they do is they say, I'm looking for that perfect person or that one individual. And I've heard people say that before, too. And God definitely has... I believe for those who are called to be married, God has someone for them. But then let's back up and or let's, let me just kind of keep going here. Uh, think, think about those who have been remarried, let's say their spouse died. This is the reason why God says there'll be no marriage in heaven. He addressed that with the religious people. So to say that there's one particular person out of millions, I've heard people say that, that's debatable simply because if you have someone who, let's say they've been married to someone for 50 years, wife died, husband died, and they remarried five years later, that happens, that happens quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, this is the reason why in heaven, again, there, we're, we're not, there's, no, there's no marriage in heaven. And so, I, but the, but again, when it goes back to soulmate, I think that some people, when they use that term or their rib, they might just be using it in, in the, just with the idea that I'm believing God for a wife. This is, I'm just believing that God's going to bring that person to my life. Right. I can see that. But I, but I have also heard people say they believe there's only one person for them. See, and I, I just answered that for you. And my pastor told me, he says, the reality is you can't you can't really build a case on that because if that's if that's the facts then people should not remarry after their spouse dies. Right, and the numbers don't add up. There's more women in on this globe yeah. than there are men. So to me, it's just not a logical thing to think there's only one person for you. Yeah. Uh, so now, like the thing is, when we get into the context of marriage though and divorce. God, obviously, we know hates divorce. He makes it very, very clear. Yeah. Of course, a divorce is not the unpardonable sin. I was just about, yes, people, go ahead. People, there are biblical reasons for divorce. However, God still hates divorce. So he, this is the reason why people need to count the cost before they get married. Yeah. Marriage is not for children. Yeah, It's not for people who just want to just get married just for the fringe benefits and when things don't work out they want to get out marriage is a covenant interaction it's a covenant relationship and god intends for married couples to to stay married for life now obviously again we know that there are reasons why that doesn't happen okay however some of that stuff stems back to the belief systems yeah i believe in preventative medicine um You'd be surprised at how many people also went against godly counsel. When, let's say, a parent 
or a pastor or someone, they went to counseling or like, you know what, I don't feel good about this. Now, of course, we don't make decisions for people, but if you come for advice, I'm going to tell you what the word says. I'm going to give you uh, some biblical counsel on how on, on, on this particular situation. And there are people who, again, were counseled not to get into certain relationships. They got into the relationship and a year later, the relationship ended up in divorce. Yeah. Now, that was not the will of God, but it was in God's will for them to get into that relationship in the first place. Yeah. Well, and I love how you touched on, like, getting a divorce doesn't mean you're going to hell. Because I have heard some people say, who are in terrible relationships, I'm talking their husband has had multiple kids on them. It's an emotionally abusive relationship. I've heard them say, well, I married him, so, and God hates divorce, so I can't get a divorce. And they just don't believe in divorce. And I feel like the Bible says that that is a reason, like cheating and abuse is a reason that you can. That, you're you're a hundred percent right uh, because, the, <laughs> and some people again, they might have a husband that he's a strong manipulator. Yeah, yeah. He might be threatening them if you leave me, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. Um, I don't believe it's the will of God for a woman to be in a in a relationship where she's being beat up and her kids are being sexually molested. Yes. Say that again, because I hear I mean, that all the time, especially when they There's want nowhere in the scripture yeah. that supports that. Yeah. Where you're yeah. supposed to sit there and let this man just beat on you. Yeah. And because uh, my mom, you know, that's why she divorced my stepdad. She, she's like, she's like, because what happened was that she would say something to him on Monday, you know, just marriage stuff, talking, whatever she said to him. Yeah. He would get drunk and on Friday beat her up for what she said on Monday. And she's like, I'm getting out of this. He's psychotic. And, and it's interesting too, I'll say she actually went and got a gun. And she says, the Lord told her, you take it back because he ain't worth going to the penitentiary over. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say we glad she, we, she listened to the Lord. I but she her. just went ahead and she got out of that, yeah. not just for her sake, but for our sake. Yeah, yeah. Because and, it, and it's better to, it's better for her to have done that. But a lot of women will say, well, I want to stay with him for the sake of my kids to grow up in a two-parent household. Yeah. But this is an abusive relationship. So what are they learning? So and unfortunately this year, you know, obviously with COVID-19, and of course last year, I should say in 2020, there was quite a bit of situations where women couldn't escape because everybody's in lockdown. And so yeah, yeah. you've got these people in these situations where the husband's acting out and doing this, that, and the other. Right, right. Um, okay, so I want to take it back um, a few more minutes, and I really appreciate everybody watching and the comments. If you have a question um, it, that maybe you want to ask, Pastor, feel free to comment on the Facebook page. I am reading them as we're moving along, um, so if we can get to it, we will, but also please share the video so we can boost this to as many people as possible. So what we talked about yesterday when we were getting ready for this um, conversation uh, we talked about the saying purpose before marriage. Um, and, and you were even saying that how you have to maximize your single season. So how can somebody figure out their purpose? How do you, and what does purpose mean to you? How should we go on that journey as we are in our single season to figure out what it is God wants me to do 
as I'm here. You know, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. We see that over in the book of Proverbs. And it's absolutely important for especially a man to have a vision, men and women both. I'm not saying that women shouldn't have the vision, but especially the man, because women are looking for leadership. And so it's very important for, I'll just say men and women to find out their purpose, to know what it is that God has called you to do on this earth, like your purpose, as far as your career, your calling, um, there are the, those things are important. Like we know in the Garden of Eden, and you notice that God gave Adam a job before he gave him a woman. To tend the garden, right? In the garden, <laughs> yep. then he came and you know brought Eve. And so it's very important. Now, how do we do that? I mean, obviously very basic. I mean, that's just through prayer. That's through uh, searching your heart because God is the one who puts those different desires and passions in our heart. And so just getting on the right track, I think even some practical things, you know, either college or trade, not everybody's necessarily gonna go to college, but you gotta do something, right. you know, um, because again, especially for a man, you're there to be the provider for your home. So if you got a guy who's sitting around playing uh, fantasy football half of the day, and he he's not maximizing his purpose, right. but he wants a woman. Right, right. And so it's important that during the single season that you really find out who you are, that you get your affairs in order. Like I'm talking spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, educationally. Like you just got to get everything in order. And again, we're not talking about perfection because ain't none of us perfect. Right, right, exactly. But women that have a good head on their shoulders are not going to be attracted to a man that's not going anywhere. Attracted to a man that's just standing idle. A man that has no vision for his life. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, so. some of us are though because we want to be married so badly. And I'm that, and you, I'm glad you brought that up. That's where I've been, yep. And you know why that is? Is because oftentimes women have not discovered who they are in Christ, their identity. They are looking to the man to fill a void in their soul. Yes, and that leads me to my next question because I was going to ask you, my theory is, um, and it was really my cousin Linnea who came up with the saying for me. Um, she said, you got to figure out what's missing, quote unquote, your purpose. So you can feel that so you don't fill it with any just anybody because i i my theory is if you don't really know why you're here your purpose you don't find what brings you joy um that you will try to feel that with a man because you will feel lonely like well I, something's missing so let me just get the next man that comes along um so what are your thoughts on that is it wrong for me to have that theory or do you think that's right on track no, that, no, that's right on track because you got to know your purpose. See, oftentimes, let, let's just backtrack here. One of the reasons why, and we'll just talk specifically to women, that you find that they're attracted to men like that is because some of them have father issues. They did not receive love, affirmation, and validation from their father. And so because they didn't get it from their father, now they're looking for it in a man. And oftentimes it's the wrong kind of man. 
who just isn't interested in anything, but we know what. And so he's not going to be there. If she ends up pregnant, he's out the door. And so they're, they're looking for that. And so this is why it goes back to identity. You've got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Women need to know that they're a daughter of God. They need to know what God says about them. They've got to begin to see themselves the way God sees them. They've got to find their identity, their security, and their value in who they are in Christ Jesus not in a man so that when a man does come along all all he's going to do is compliment you that's really what marriage is is we're complimenting each other we're not trying to obviously compete with each other because that's not healthy but i can't look to my wife for identity and she can't look to me for identity we have to look to jesus to, to fulfill the void in our soul. God will never give you a man or a woman that's going to replace him. And I wrote that down for to ask you about um, not finding somebody to complete you. You are whole on your own. It's a lie if you think that, because Jerry Maguire, right? Have you seen that movie, Jerry Maguire? What did I think that came out in the 90s um, with... Um, Tom Cruise, his line was, you complete me. And so unfortunately that put a whole generation under the belief system that a man completes them, but that's just simply not true. You know, I love what the scripture says, Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, for you are complete in him. In Christ Jesus, we are complete in Christ. I'm writing that down. That's, that's where the completeness comes from. Yeah. So whenever you try to put anybody before God, and that includes a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, that's called idolatry. Mm -hmm. We yeah. may not today like they did in the Old Testament, bow down and worship a statue, but anything that we put before God is considered an idol. Mm, yep. I want to read what my cousin Shanice uh, speaking of idols, she wrote um, on the video on Facebook, I feel like the idolization of marriage is the enemy's number one tool to get women into bad relationships. If he can distract a woman with a ring, he knows he knows he's got her heart. Uh, and I'm assuming she means he is the devil. Uh, heart, mind, and soul, which is why we need to be careful going into a covenant like that. I love that because yes, again, I think women want the wedding more than we understand what an actual marriage is. We don't have the tools to know what this covenant actually means. Do you feel like you see that a lot with women and maybe men as well? Yeah, and the thing we need to understand about marriage, marriage, marriage is not man's institution, it's God's institution. Marriage is ordained by God. It's a beautiful, God instituted it. Um, it's really a picture of Christ in the church. We see that in Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians 5, 25 to 33 talks about Christ and the church and it uses the analogy of marriage. And so marriage is a God thing. Now we live in a society though to where marriage is unfortunately been devalued. Now, how do we devalue marriage? You devalue marriage by just shacking up and never getting married. 
You know, I've heard all kinds of reasons why some people don't get married. If I get married, I'm going to lose my food stamps. Mm. So basically what that reveals is you value money more than you value honor in God. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, and here's, and here's everybody that's watching has heard this before, but why should you buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? And so as long as women give out milk, then he'll never, he'll never say I do. <laughs> right, right. And that's why it goes back to asking questions um, yes. for potential, you know, somebody you're trying to see if this is a, um, of God, that's why you ask them, how do they view uh, marriage? Um, what's their spirituality, their thought process around that? What do they think about that? Because a lot of people think that marriage is just a piece of paper. Um, and, and, and so it's, if you think it's more than that, then you need to be having those conversations. Yeah. Those are the they questions. They need to take their time. Like it goes back to the friendship and this probably really answers your, your cousin's question, but I just think just the rushing into it. Yeah. Like we were talking yesterday, how you notice like our grandparents' generation got married in 1819. Yeah. But they were more mature. Yes. Yes. 18 and 19 year olds today are night and day for my grandparents' generation. Night and day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because our lives aren't that serious as they were back then, especially being a black person. Like we yeah. have so much more freedom and stuff. It, it, not like our grandparents and before them, they didn't have all that. So they had to grow up really fast. Yeah. We can be on TikTok all day if we want to. Yeah. <laughs> And so there is, there is safety, I think, in people just taking it slow, just slowing down, be friends, just be friends, don't have to rush into anything because that gives people an opportunity to work on themselves and get their identity and their purpose figured out in life. Yeah, yeah. All right, Pastor, so one of the last things I want to ask you is, I um, obviously have been studying my, my Bible and I love to um, write out good character, what, what Jesus would call, what God would call good character. Um, and one of my favorite quotes um, is uh, be, be slow, to, uh, slow to anger um, and also quick to listen uh, and, and not speak, right? So I've written those out as some of the character traits that I would want in a husband. Is there any other scriptures that maybe you could give us that God is showing us through the scripture that um, means that you are of good character? Because God talks about not, you can be corrupted by bad character. So I'm like, there are people, and also don't be unequally yoked, right? So yeah. There are people who you shouldn't really be dealing with. Yes. And there are people that are showcasing good character. Do you have maybe some more scriptures that- yes. And so like, just to jump back to the unequally yoked, uh, Paul talks about that. And oftentimes people look at that and they just feel like it refers to a non-believer. Right. So a Christian and a non-Christian, but it's deep. Say it that again, back. yes, because I thought, back. yes, yep. Yeah, it goes back to those personal philosophies. You could have two Christians that are unequally yoked because they're not on the same page. He believes this about money, she believes that about money. Um, he wants, let's say she wants to serve God and she's all in and she wants to, you know, let's just think pre-COVID, I mean, she's just serving, she's 
doing in church. She's doing all this stuff. And he goes, he's a CEO, a Christmas and Easter only person. Right, right, right. So what kind of example he's setting now for the children, especially as kids come into the picture? Statistics will tell us, statistics tell us that if the father's not in church, most likely the kids ain't going either. So that's just on the unequal yoke. But now going back to character traits, uh, good God character traits would be found, like I'll read this one scripture over in, um, I'm looking up here in First Peter. Okay, good. Because First Peter, First um, Peter chapter three in verse seven. First Peter three seven. It says, "Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered." So basically, what he's saying is he just talks about the husband you know, giving honor to his wife, you know, honoring his wife, preferring her above himself. And when they say weaker, it doesn't mean women are inferior. It's just, you know, obviously emotionally women are more fragile than a man is, you know, but it's, it's not a put down when Peter uses the term weaker vessel. But he's, but the main point he's trying to stay here is a man is to show honor to his wife. So that is a good character uh, trait that a woman should look for is a man that's honorable and how he treats his wife. Yeah, yeah. And I take that as, and, and this is why one of the questions that I ask a lot of men is, so how do you feel about feminism? Do you, do I have to be the one cooking all the time? Am I, like, I just want to see what they think roles, you know, gender roles and all of that. I want to see where they are with that. Because I grew up in a house, my dad cooked more than my mom. My <laughs> dad just did, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. So I love to ask those questions as well. Like, wh where do you lie on the spectrum? Which is good because it all goes back to that whole category on belief systems roles. Yeah. You know, because nowadays, most women are working. Yeah. So it can't be like, well, okay, you're going to work all day. I work all day. You come home. You do all the cooking, you do all the cleaning, you do everything while I'm watching TV. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, times are different. So I believe it's shared responsibilities if you've got, you know, both people working. Right, right. And can you say that scripture again? It was first Peter that chapter was first what? Peter three seven. Oh, chapter three, verse seven. Okay. Yep. Perfect. All right. Okay, so is there anything that we missed, Pastor, that you feel like we need to cover before we get off? I'm going through everything I wrote down. Um, yeah, the scripture that Jesus talks about, because we didn't mention this yesterday, uh, I think this will kind of speak to the singles as okay. well as to Mary's. Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Oh, that's right. We were yeah. talking about Jesus was single. <laughs> People Matthew 19. Um, uh, 11 and 12. Now, what we see here is Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees about marriage and divorce. Okay. And so, you know, Jesus made it very clear he hates divorce. I don't want people to get divorced. However, Moses gave the people a certificate of divorce. Uh, the disciples are like, man, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. I mean, just let's just stay single. Yeah. And then Jesus picks up and talks more about Matthew chapter 19 and verse 11, he says, but he said to them, all cannot accept the saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born eunuchs 
who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are units who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who were made who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So what Jesus is saying here is that some people are called to be single. That's their calling in life. They're going to be single. It does not make them inferior. It does not make them less of a person because they're, they don't have a husband or they don't have a wife. Yeah. So he says, again, Paul speaks again about this. And he says, each person has his own gift from God. And I knew a guy years ago that he felt that he, that was him. Like, he's like, I'm not going to get married. The Lord's made that clear to me. I'm called to be single. Yeah. Now, obviously, the most I, I believe, and again, I can't give an exact statistic because I don't know that, but right. we do know that there's a large majority of people that are married and desire to get married, right. you know, but there, there, there are certain people who have been called by God to be single. And so it, does, again, it doesn't make them less inferior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I, I say this a lot. To want to be married is fine. If you have that desire, that's probably a God-given desire. Yes. Feel like you need to be married. That's just, that's not a good, <laughs> we, we shouldn't feel like- Separation is not good. I've seen in almost 25 years of ministry, people get desperate, especially mm -hmm. when the biological clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. If a person's desperate, it's real easy to overlook a lot of the things that we talked about as far as belief systems. Right. get into a relationship and the next thing you know you're like man he's got demons yeah i didn't know this about him now you're already married now you're going through hell now you got to go to counseling now you got all kinds of stuff going on because you were so desperate yeah because people didn't take the time to do their homework yeah well and there are there is a belief system out there so again it goes back to asking the question but some people believe that the more kids you have, the more blessed you are by God. And that's not scriptural. That that's some because they take that scripture where the Bible says, "Blessed is his quiver," right. and some of those uh, uh, women don't believe in birth control. They have their philosophies on that. Yeah. My personal philosophy is: don't bring kids into the world that you can financially take care of. There we go. <laughs> Some people think, well, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. You know, I don't like, well, it's not fair to the kids. Not fair. I mean, and it's not fair to the taxpayers. It's not fair. Yeah. You're bringing in more kids into the world than you can provide for. And cause they don't believe in it. So a lot of that philosophy that those things stem from people's upbringing and there's no scriptures to back it up. Right, right. And you know what? Sorry, I lied. I have one more question because that just Go made ahead. me think <laughs> that just made me think of this. A lot of people, so a lot of married people say marriage is hard, which has turned into single people thinking there when you get married, there's just gonna be a lot of dysfunction, whether that's cheating, abuse, always arguing, what have you do you believe that marriage has to be dysfunctional? Like that's just a price of being married. Marriage does not have to be dysfunctional. Now in marriage, because marriage is not easy, just like nothing in life is easy. Right, right. You know, running right. a business right. is not easy. Pastoring the church is not easy. But marriage is ordained by God. And I believe when what Jimmy Evans says, he says, you have a 100% chance of being successful in marriage 
if if the husband and wife would just do their due diligence. Uh, the reality is, is the reason why people believe that marriage has to be dysfunctional and you have to have all this drama is because that's the way they were brought up. That was their experience. And oftentimes people build philosophies and doctrines out of their experience rather than going to the word of God and taking the scriptures and building their doctrines off of the word. Yeah, yep. And then it's backed up with what you see in Hollywood. I mean, even Cardi B, who is married to Offset, she even said, and because Offset unfortunately has cheated on her a few times, and I don't know these people, but I'll just tell you what she tweeted. She said, y'all need to stay out of our relationship. We got married young and we have a dysfunctional relationship like the rest of y'all. And I was just like, but why is that the bar though? Why is that? So this is just the cost of, of being married. Yeah. Absolutely not. I don't believe in that, but I know that she probably does because of how she was raised. Offset probably does because how he was raised. And then it's just backed up through the experiences that they've had, like you said. But I just truly don't believe that that is just a price to marriage. Well, we're just going to be dysfunctional. So let's get Yeah, to it. it's not. It's, it's, it is a worldly, it's a worldly philosophy. Yeah. And unfortunately, even a lot of Christians have adopted worldly philosophies. And they say that. And there's a lot of sayings that people will, you know, put into marriage that's not even biblical. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad that we're looking to Hollywood and to the world as our standard. Stop looking at, even as much as I love Jay-Z and Beyonce, I don't look up to their marriage. Even as much as I love Will Smith and Jada Pinkett, I don't look up to their marriage. I don't, I just you don't want it. Do it. I, don't, I don't want any of that. Um, so, okay. I think that we have covered everything. I loved safety and taking it slow. That's a quote that I'll be writing down. Um, I, oh, the book, The Right One by Frank Martin and Jimmy Evans. This was really good, Pastor. And I know that we could probably talk for four hours on this topic, um, but we, we will end it here. And I just want to say, I appreciate you for having this conversation yeah. with me. I hope that it blessed somebody, that it helped somebody if it did. Uh, please comment and, and tell Pastor thank you. Maybe some of your takeaways, whether you're watching this in the replay um, or live right now. We did have some people watching, um, so that's good. And if you haven't shared the video yet, please share the video. So again, Pastor Marlando Jordan, um, he is the pastor of Sozo Church, my church. Um, and when are services, Pastor? Do you want to say? Services are Sundays, 9 a.m., 11 a.m. And obviously, we are live streaming. We do live stream both services, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on YouTube. So you can go to Sozo Church YouTube channel, and you can watch the services on, services online. So if you're not comfortable coming in person, watch online. Yep, you yep. Know? So we are open. The doors are open. Yep, yep. We are open. Yep. And we're in a... We're in a um, the series right now is Unshakable Faith. And I have been enjoying, because yeah. I think we all need to be hearing that message. In I know everybody thought that 2020 and what we went through in 2020 was going to end on January 1st. No, 2021, as you, you know see. What? And I knew it wasn't going to end. Me too. <laughs> I think some people, unfortunately, kind of get into this fantasy world too. And it's like, no, this is why we need faith. 
need faith for times like this. Okay, okay, okay. What were your takeaways? This is why I tell you, use your notes app. Have your pen and notebook ready when you're listening to Single You, the podcast. So what were your takeaways? I want to hear that from you. Okay, so there's three things that I'm going to tell you right now. One is for me. And then the last two are other ways that I can be of service to you on your journey of discovering your worth so that you can stop tying your identity to men and stop being a man pleaser. I want to help you as much as I can. Okay, so what were your takeaways? Can you like write down a quote, take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast, you know, on your phone? Put it in your Instagram story and then tag me. And don't forget to put the quote there or say, Rika, this was my takeaway. And bam, I want to read it because not only does it help me understand who's listening to my podcast, what the takeaways were, so maybe I can expound on it more, but it's just great to know that you're listening. So I just want to know that you're listening, okay? All right. So the show notes will have the information to get a hold of the guest on this episode. So if there was a guest and you're like, I want to get a hold of that person, it is in the show notes. All right. What else is in the show notes is this. Here are two other ways that I can be of service to you when you are ready. Grab my free Single You Academy mini course. Okay. You want it for free? I will have a free trial for you. All you have to do is let me know that you want it. It's three writing prompts to help you discover your worth, plus the How to Get Over Him video with worksheet. And in that, you will also learn the top three boundaries that you need to have when it comes to men. And really, people, society, your kids, it's interchangeable. But if you want to learn that, I got you. But you got to got you, right? (laughs) Um, All right, so in the show notes, the link will be there. And then you sign up for it, and then I will send you the login and information in your email So always make sure you're checking your email if you sign up for something from me. Also, how else can I be of service to you? Well, iron sharpens iron. And the Bible also says it's not good for man to be alone. And to me, it doesn't mean romantically. It actually means just community, people who are like you and like-minded. When you want to be strengthened, then you need to be around people who are a little bit stronger than you in that area. So join me in my free Facebook group, Singleness is not a punishment. You can search that on Facebook. It's there. Answer a few questions. I'll let you in the group. It's a private Facebook group. The link is also in the show notes. Now, before I get out of here, I just want to tell you my prayer to God, right? So after I went through my journey of discovering my worth so that I stopped tying my identity to men and stopped being a man pleaser, I began to ask like, okay, I know that I did it for myself. Now, how can I teach other women to do it? Because I remember when I got out of my abusive relationship in 2017, I heard God say, I will use your story. And then in the Purpose Driven Life, Pastor Rick Warren writes, your greatest shame will be the thing that heals others. And then also reading Gabrielle Union's book, We're Gonna Need More Wine, when I went on my solo trip to Mexico. Hopefully you've heard this story because you've been listening to my podcast. If you haven't, go back. It's in, I don't know what episode, but it's there. But anyway, when I read her book, I felt in community, in communion with her. So in knowing that God said, I'm gonna use this story, I was like, okay, I need to start sharing. 
and uh, get a step over my shame. <laughs> when I first started sharing, I still had a lot of shame, but I don't anymore. But anyway, I said, okay, so I need to start sharing. So then another woman can feel in communion with me and she will say, I am not alone. And now my prayer is, God, have the women you want me to help hear my voice. Have her reach out to me. And so I don't know who I'm talking to. If that is you, reach out to me. You are drowning. I have the life vest. You are sick of these dysfunctional relationships. I have a formula that will stop you from being in another dysfunctional relationship. Now, nothing is perfect and I don't get to write everybody's story, but I got to tell you the testimonials I got from myself and from other clients of mine, my formula is working. So if you are burnt out on those dysfunctional relationships, you've hit the wall. You're the type of woman who gives your all to a man and you're always trying to satisfy your man and go the extra mile, but it has never worked out for you. And again, you're burnt out. You're over it. Reach out to me. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you are the woman I'm praying for, hear my voice and reach out to me because I don't know you, right? I don't, I don't know you. You found me somehow. And the only way I'm going to know that you need my help is if you ask. The Bible also says you have not because you ask not. Don't be embarrassed, girlfriend. I'm here. I'm here. Reach out to me if you need to. Um, again, the writing prompts and also the Facebook group links are in the show note. My Instagram is also in the show notes. I am just me, Rika. If you don't want to check, reach out to me right now and ask me anything. My DM is open to you, girl. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like, subscribe, rate this podcast. Please share this podcast because maybe a woman you know is the woman I am assigned to help. So there we go. All right. Thanks for listening. This is Single You, the podcast. <laughs>